You're listening to the Comic Crusaders Podcast. I am your host, Al Mega, CEO of Comic Crusaders and Undercover Capes. In this show, I'm sitting down with creators from all walks of life to talk about inspiration, process, the lessons they've learned, and a whole lot more. What up, me gente? It's your boy, Al Mega. Welcome to a brand new Comic Crusaders Podcast. And today, we're talking comics, comics goodness. With a dynamic duo. We're waiting for the second half of the duo, but let me introduce that first half. I mean, Homie is a, he's an independent creator. He's a graphic novelist, comic book writer. He has done stuff that you've seen across Marvel and indie everywhere, and he got some dope stuff coming out on comics. Oh, actually, he's already out on Comicsology Digital called The Panic. Let me introduce the one, the owner, the only said Senor Neo Clyde. Epa, what up? Hey, what's going on? Thanks How for you having doing? me. No, thanks for coming on, hanging out. Hopefully, Andrea could, uh, Muti, the artist of this awesome book, hopefully could join us soon. You know, yeah. for all the traffic, folks, it is what it is. You know, I would think he'd get here fast because people here drive like psychos. Because I'm in Florida myself, so he's a very, <laughs> very careful driver. Guys, <laughs> as long as he ain't driving, he's driving his Daisy. Then you know, hopefully he'll make it. <laughs> all right, so my brother. What is going on? Talk to me, Neil. Where, where are you from originally? Where did you grow up? And how did you get into all this pop culture madness? Yeah, man. So I'm uh, originally from Detroit, from Michigan. I grew up there. My family's there. Uh, that's where I kind of got into comics. My uh, my dad used to come home with a bag of comics every week. What? Basically, Your dad? My dad. My dad. He was he was a geek himself, though. No, I mean he likes comics. He he, he okay. collected you know the original Marvels like the Kirby Lee era. Oh, cool. And so he you know he like like every other dad from the sixties will always say like oh man if I had kept all the comics my mom threw out right. <laughs> so his uh so he had a little bit of like I want you guys to be interested in comics but it was more like reservational for him basically if I give them comic books they'll leave me alone. So <laughs> he would throw us a bag of comics and Friday night where he'd just be like, look, I, I need to sleep, so go read this. And that's how my brother and I really got into it. And we collected a little collection, you know, a lot of early DCs, a lot of early Marvels. Nice. And um, as I kind of grew, you know, the infatuation grew as well with television, with comic books, with TV and all, you know, and, and uh, action figures. And I really taught myself how to draw from reading comic books. So Okay, cool. Um, when I was in high school, I, I, I mean, I could always draw when I was a kid, but it was a lot of, like, just random nonsense. But as I started to read um, some, you know, so, not just superheroes books, but I started to read, like, Ninja Turtles in high school, and I started to trace a lot of the pages. So I always said, oh, I'm going to trace the pages, I'm going to learn. You were tracing it from the comic book, on. Oh. Yeah, I would put a piece of paper on okay. or tracing paper, and I would draw around. Collectors are, like, dying right now. Oh, my God. Right, that's, but that's how I started. You know, I started to, like, figure out, like, okay – and I didn't really, like, teach myself anatomy from anatomy books. That came later. Um, originally, I taught myself how to draw by studying comics, by studying the comic strips, by studying comic book pages, by reading, like, any book that I could get a hand on about how to draw comics, like how to draw car- comics the Marvel way, oh, um, Will Eisner, his sequential art books. So I got a lot of those books as a kid, and I read everything I could, but all I kept doing was drawing and drawing and drawing. Okay. And... Eventually, you know, uh, I have family in New York, so my, we were always in New York all the time. And one time, my dad actually took us to Marvel when they were on Park Avenue. Oh, cool. Nice. He did not have an appointment, 
He did not. There was no. I like, just walked in. <laughs> he literally walked in the office. That was before there was like doorman or anything like that. And he walked us into the Marvel waiting room. And I think I don't even remember who was there at the time, but he went. Maybe it was flow. Maybe it wasn't. And he basically said, "Hey, my kid here. Uh, he loves to draw. He wants to draw comics. Can somebody talk to him?" And they brought out Pat Garrahy, who was I think um, coloring books there at the time or editing and coloring. He was doing a lot of things. And he talked to me for a while. And you looked at, I basically had a fistful of pinups. And he said, you know, these are great. Um, you really need to learn the uh, anatomy of the characters, but also the anatomy of a page, like how to create a comic book page. And so he gave me a ton of printouts. And he gave me a script. It was an early Avengers script. What? He was really cool. And basically said, go home, just draw from this script or draw, redraw another comic book and learn how to draw a comic book, not just pinups and splash pages and things like that. And so I did that. I really took it home and I spent a lot of time working on that script. And I also redrew, um, I think it was Avengers 273. And then I redrew oh, wow. a bunch of old Batman comics. And that's how I learned how to draw comic books. And really cool. But I can't get over the fact that your dad, like that, just went, you know, like thug, that's a Detroit thug right there. I'm gonna just walk in and somebody's gonna talk to my well, he's, kid. He's I original. He's from. He's oh from my Brooklyn. god, really? Yeah, I mean, he so, went in there with that swagger that you're gonna talk to my kid, right? Yeah, basically, like who's gonna talk to my kid right now? Come on. I love this. And I love so, that story. I think he thought I was gonna walk out of there with a job, but I, I must have been 16 at the time, maybe 15. <laughs> um, so, so basically, that's how I learned to draw. And then when I moved to New York, I moved to New York in '99. Um, I had a friend who was working as a Batman editor on the Batman titles, uh, Jordan Gorfinkel, who conceived No Man's Land, Batman No Man's Land. And um, Jordan said, hey, come up to the offices, and I'll introduce you around, and I'll look at your pages. And he was, he was great. He walked me around the offices. I met a bunch of editors. And he looked at the pages and said, these are great. Uh, these are good, but they're not great. Mm-hmm. And your anatomy's off. There's people who are doing it much better than you are. The one thing that I can tell you is, you could tell a story. You're pacing, the way you're pacing the pages, the way you're telling the story is fantastic. Have you thought about just being a writer? And I hadn't until that point. And I kind of walked away like bummed out about it because I'd always wanted to draw comic books. And he said, uh, you know, why don't you go and study these, you know, writing, uh, writing books and, you know, look at how, uh, Alan Moore writes, look how Frank Miller writes, look how look, look how some of the some of the luminaries in the industry are writing, and figure out how to how to write a script. And so I went home and I started to teach myself from the beginning how am I going to write a script, and that kind of got me to where I am now. Did you initially tackle that with the excitement like you did when you were doing art? Did, were you as excited, or you were like, oh wait, this is an opportunity? So yes and no. I was like, I always I was a little bummed, right? I wanted to draw comics, right? You know. I'm an artist, and that's kind of what I do. I like to draw. And it was sort of tackling something. It was tackling something I never thought that I was going to do. So there was this sort of learning curve of, okay, I'm not used to this craft, the craft of actually telling the story just in the script. And I looked at a lot of, like, screenplays and a lot of novels and just how all writers across all mediums tell a story in a different way Mm -hmm. and how comics is kind of – could be kind of a hybrid of those. And – one of the cool things about comics versus, like, a, a movie, right? Like, a movie, as long as you have the budget for it, you can show whatever you want, right? But if you don't have the budget, 
you're sort of limited. The cool thing about comics is the budget is really kind of what's in your head, right? You can draw anything you want as long as you can draw it. And it could be, you know, 40 spaceships descending on 50 planets with horses and samurai. And, you know, as long as you can draw it, the budget's, the budget's the limitations of your hand, right? Yeah. But you also have to sort of balance it with the economy of the page, right? And that's something that I've learned since then, over the years, even up to today, what are the common, what's the economy of the page that I'm creating? You know, I've got a certain amount of space. I need to get in a certain amount of letters and dialogue and also make sure that the art is sort of telling the story. And there's the guy who tells the story, Andre. Hey, hey Andre, so what's going on, kiddo folks? Yeah. Meet, the, meet the artist of this awesome book right here. Andrea Muti, I mean, legendary uh, person right there. The only thing that I'll tell you right now, the, the cat got to go. I'm a Yankee fan. But other than that, I don't even play it. <laughs> thank you so much, and sorry for the delay. I was some issues. Hey, thank you, thank you. Hi, Dale. What's going on, man? Good, no, good. Right. What was a rush? Yeah, we're finishing up Neil's little origin story, then we're going to get into yours. I mean, he already, he's already dropping some awesome stories. I mean, whose dad takes them to Marvel? I mean, damn. I wish my, my dad. dad took me. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so basically, like I said, so that's, that's, I mean, that's the origin story, but that really has kind of brought me to where I am now and brought me to sort of the partnership with my pal here, just understanding. And I think it was great because I started in art and then I moved to writing and now I'm lettering. I'm even lettering my books. Oh, we are. Yeah. yeah. The only thing that I haven't really done is, is be, I am not a colorist, right? And I haven't really edited it, but, um, there's really the understanding when you're going to craft the page now. What, what are what's what are my spatial constraints, right? If I want Andrea's you know amazing art to be shown, I don't want to cover it up with fifty panel, fifty speech balloons, right? And also, even beyond that, for the art itself, when I'm giving a description, there's a sense of well, you can't have you know four to seven people in a really tiny panel if I have seven panels on a page, right? So, what was I think? What the great thing about that that sort of journey was that I got to learn all sides of the craft. But I'm still always learning. Like, I'm, like I letter my comics, but I'm not, like, a professional letterer. Um, there are people out there, Taylor Esposito, Todd Klein, mm. uh, a bunch of letterers out there, out there that are really doing uh, fantastic work, and yeah. you should hire them. Um, but I, when I letter my comic, when I letter the comics that I work on, um, there's such an advantage because I can edit myself as I'm going. So if I find that I have too much, too much dialogue, I can kind of pull back. I can also figure out where the best placement is for, uh, for the dialogue that I'm crafting or the captions that I'm crafting. So I'm not covering up the amazing artwork. Um, yeah, we don't want to cover up that artwork because it's dope. So let's talk about the artwork and the artist. Yeah, let's talk about it. Okay, so you know, I, I, I told him before, I like my origin story first. Comic Crusaders, and, and every hero has an origin story. You're a hero in comics with your, your artistry, so talk about, um, you know, first where you're from and how you, you know, got into this madness of pop culture and, and that creative road. Me? Yes, sir. Okay, okay, so, I, I, so I'm Italian, so nobody's perfect. Sorry for my voice, it's pretty rough today. And but I live in the... In America since uh, the last four years, I live in Florida, Sarasota, and I've been in this field since uh, 32 years. So wow, 32. Yes, you I started young. <laughs> yes, I was in college. I was in college. My first contract signed was in college. Yeah, I was a student. Oh. So I'm pretty old boy. So, yeah. 
Who got you into the culture? Was it something you found on your own? Was it your parents, your cousins, your siblings? How did you find this? But you know, this kind of work is uh, choose you, not you choose something like that. Because uh, it's like a demon, you no, know, inside yourself. And uh, I remember I was super young, like six years old. And uh, my my point during the day was telling something about drawing, by, uh, in telling some not drawing some, but tell something about the stories. And I was. Uh, really obsessed about white paper and become Western story. My heroes was the Western stuff at the beginning. <laughs> and for me, it was a, a myth, not iconic stuff. And that's the beginning. And since then, I still remain a high, high popular reader. So that's the point. Yeah. Well, dope. And so what, what was it like <clears throat> when you got your first opportunity, you know, to do something, you know, on a, on a label? So my super first opportunity was uh, strips. For, uh, okay. from a magazine it was a political feel like funny stuff uh, about the, the events about the, the year the, the politicians uh, and it was pretty funny because it was very short like three panels and uh, at the same time it was uh, interesting because I had to summarize and you know the, the event of the, the seconds is like a three panels maybe sometimes with no text all the, the images and it was a challenge. I was super young. I was 18 years old, so I was super young. And I remember the, the meetings with the editor and the publisher in, in my, my place in Italy. And uh, for me, it was a, a really nice beginning. And many independent comics like Phoenix, like uh, Star Comics, whatever. So, yeah. Really? Don't yeah. check all that the fanzine, out. All the magazine, yeah. Really? I mean, so how, how big is comics out there, with, with, you know, growing up in Italy? Yeah, Italy is is very popular, especially for Sergio Bonelli, Torrio, Tex Wheeler, Dylan Dog, Nathan Never. I did for ten years, almost ten years there, and uh, you know, it's I think it's the third uh, country about production: Japan, United States, and Italy. Yeah, it's Maybe, crazy. Yeah, I went I went uh, to Rome and Florence for my honeymoon, and just walking around Rome, you just see comics everywhere, and really? yeah. not just. Uh, you know, uh, in a bookstore, yeah. Not not just European comics, like right. You know, obviously you have like Tintin, and you know, yeah. Some of the some of the larger hardcovers. The, 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 the center book stuff, the old, I look like the black labels, yeah. For, yeah. But you also have tons of translated mainstream, like Marvel and DC books, right? So like yes. yes. a couple of Spider-Man's and Fantastic Fours at the time, and oh. you literally see them on every corner. They're in every newsstand. It's crazy. I mean, you don't see that here. You can't no. walk up to a newsstand and pick up. Not yeah, anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah now, it, it, right now it's pretty different. Now the the Kyoto, the, the Nikolai, the, the, the right name of this place. Now the bookstores are mm, much more popular for get some comic book. So we, are, but yes, I see what you mean. Yeah, I, I miss that. I remember, you know, I grew up in Brooklyn, so I, you know, we had the newsstands, and you know, yeah. anytime uh-huh. mommy took me over there. Like, okay, since you were good, you could pick out a book, you know. So, as a kid, I'm picking up Savage Soda Conan. I mean, I'm not supposed to, but so long as I never let her see the inside. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When I mentioned when I mentioned earlier that my dad was bringing home books, he wasn't. We didn't have a comic book store near us. He was going to the bookstore where they had a spinner rack in the corner, or he was going to Seven Eleven, right? So at Seven oh, Eleven, wow. there were, you know. Superman, Batman, Sergeant. Everybody Rob. keeps telling me the legendary 7-Eleven spinner racks. I never yeah. saw one of the 7-Eleven. Yeah, well, so oh, really? my 7-Eleven was the spinner rack, and then this this bad boy behind me, the Star, <laughs> Star Wars arcade. And that's what I went for. I used to go play Star Wars, and I used to drink a Slurpee and read comics. Oh, bro. Man, I, yeah, well, that's well, a kid's dream. Yeah. Did you have Slurpees in Italy, Andrea? I'm sorry? Did you have Slurpees over there? Did you have 7-Elevens? Yeah. It, it, 
Yes, I'm okay. not the, not the same. We call that like the all in the, the motorway, in the highways. We call the auto grill. Is it kind of? Is it kind of? Okay, yeah. <laughs> it's a rip off. Is what it is. <laughs> all right. Yeah, like limoncello. Here's what I want to do, right? Because I have the awesome trailer and I also have a PowerPoint about this book, right? So I want to show off the trailer. Then I want to talk about how you guys connected, how that bromance was built to do this dope book that's out now on Comicsology, folks, digitally. You can get this baby, all right? Check out this awesome trailer for issue number one of The Panic. Alright, this is fire folks, fire is right there. I'm over here, like closing my eyes and moving. Okay, I'm on the train right now. I'm the G train, holding the strap, right? You know. Yeah. Now, I would never really hold the strap. I, I, I'm the dude that always stood by the door. I'll let you in. I'd move. I, I was, I like to lean up against the door between the cars, right? The door that that yeah. you're not supposed to go through. Yeah, I either do that or the normal door, the regular door. Right. I, I don't like holding on to the strap because it's just, dude. I mean, growing up in Brooklyn, Greenpoint, a lot of construction workers. And they're like this, that, you know, a lot of times, you know, people just be like, yo, bro, can you just like lower your arm? So I never wanted someone to tell me that, not that I worked in construction, but, you know, I just. Right, but then if you're at the door, you got to deal with people coming in and out, and it's like, oh, okay. But if you're at the door, if you're at the door between the cars, every now and then you'll get somebody kind of coming through, but generally that door stays closed. Yeah, man. Yeah, and, and again, you catch the sound, two rats, I mean, in this story, the those rats are probably going to outnumber these poor people. So before we even get into that, how did you guys even connect to 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 build this masterpiece that is truly New York? Because I I was smelling the subway station as I read the book. Thanks. Um. So I first connected with Comicsology. Um. I've been pitching this book for a long time. Uh. It's evolved over the years, and if you get into the back matter, and then for this issue, and then later on, I talk about it a little bit about. It started as a novel, and then it became a comic, and then I pitched it to a couple, and it, it landed at a few places. 
But Comatology really has been championing it uh, via Chip Mosher, who is, is, is our king. And Chip uh, put the two of us together. Basically, I was looking for somebody to, to partner with, to, to be the co-author of this book. And he was like, are you familiar with his work? And I said, yes, of course. And we just started trading emails. And you talk about bromance. Uh, I think that's kind of the perfect word. <laughs> since we started working, I mean, every email has been like, like emoji, high five, brother. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. uh, Andrea has a very uh, evocative way of expressing himself in email. And uh, it's been not just the two of us, but also our editor, Mariah, and um, the whole comicsology team. It's been such a joy to work on this book with this team because we are all really uh, excited for it and we are excited by it and we're excited to be working together. Uh, and obviously the team at Dark Horse also who we're going to be doing print collection with, they've been great. Um, everybody has just really been rallying around this book. And Pamela, Pamela, I can't forget Pamela who set up. Yeah, yo. Shout out to Pam. Hey. Um, she... Uh, it's just been such a fantastic experience, and um, I could not have asked for a better uh, co-author, partner, brother on this ride, and I really hope you get to do more. Hey, hey, we, we're going to have to see more after this five-issue arc. I definitely want to see more. So, Andrea, talk to me. I mean, when you got hooked up with Neil, I mean, how, how did you vibe? I, how, how did it feel for you? But, you know, it was really interesting. I'm always enthusiastic about the new projects, and talking with Neil, we saw it's a Love at first sight. And uh, the point is, was the, the story is not a supernatural story or a superhero story, no superpower, but um, it's about normal people with normal guys and girls and whatever with their problems, with their lives. But the real superpower was the, the event. So something happens. What? I have no idea. We have trapped we need how to live and what's going on there. Up there, so this is the point. Normal people that they, they can handle together and they trust each other. Maybe not. Maybe yes. Why? Who is a leader? We need mm. a leader or not? So it's some sometimes remind me. I told you in, in the previous show interview. Remind me the first episode of Lost. Remember the Lost? Oh the yes, like, yeah. yeah. Sometimes I remind me this kind of situation, and I really love this kind of stuff. And of course, the black, the dark side. Because if you can imagine this story in the real life, it was a pitch black. Black and that's it. Some lights here and there. So we try to handle the situation about the lights, the colors, something pop, and the vibes of the the emotional uh, attitude of the of the colors of something not really and uh, realistic, but something much more moving of the feelings of the situation and the and the character. Only some type of a spot of real color, some red, some blue, yeah. blue but all the red is kind of yeah. melting pot of colors. Yeah. And there's a very noticeable red in there, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, so there's, there's, we call it intentional red, right? So there's yeah. very, very, very much an intentional red. And I know some folks call it cliche. Some folks, you know, are like, oh, we see, you know, Schindler's List did it. A couple, a couple other places use a splash red and, you know. Um, but what I love about it is that it, it doesn't, it stands out a little bit, but it's so, so much a part of the organic palette that Andrea's put throughout the book, that even later on when we're bringing a lot more yellows and oranges, um, it doesn't feel jarring. It doesn't feel jarring. And the colors, you know, uh, Andrea's always said that um, we have a great ensemble here and fear is like a big part of our cast, right? Fear yeah. is a character in this book. I, I will continue to say that color is, is a huge part, is a huge part of the ensemble. Uh, color tells 
uh, here and really the way Andrea kind of does the paints and, and really yeah. draws your eye. It, it sets a mood, man. It definitely mm-hmm. sets a mood because the new you know, native New Yorker reading this, I felt claustrophobic, like nervous. I was like, what's going on? And then, but just seeing the interactions, like, okay, somebody here is from New York for real because that's how they talk to each other. So talk to me about the story, kind of, you know, a brief synopsis without, yeah. you know, giving us the kitchen sink. You know what I mean? <laughs> so the panic yeah. is a story of, uh, as you saw in the trailer, ten, uh, a handful of strangers who are basically trapped in a path train uh, under the Hudson River oh, between coming from, coming from New Jersey into New York when something happens. Something happens. Nobody knows what it is, but it's bad enough that their train is derailed. And um, they are basically in a crash site now. Hours go by. Their phones don't work. They haven't heard anything from everyone. And they basically have to band together to figure out what happened and what do we do next. And um, it was really inspired by a couple of things for me. Originally, it was inspired by um, the aftermath of 9-11. I was, you know, living in the city after the towers Mm -hmm. fell. And just seeing how New Yorkers really interacted with one another and came together to um, support one another and to survive and to kind of get past a horrific tragedy um, made me think about the nature of individuals versus, (coughs) right? We all bring our own shit to the table. We all come in and we all have political, racial, sexual, social biases, especially now more than ever. And my question has always been, when the chips are down and when the lights go out, can we put all of that aside to just survive? And that's really what this book is about. It's about um, a group of strangers who come armed with their own, um, their own biases and prejudices and have to just put it all aside to be humans and to survive something that they don't even know what it is. And it's about that moment, you know, the, word, the, the title of the panic really is about the moment after a tragedy happens or an emergency happens or a disaster happens where you're just frightened and scared and you don't know what's going on. It's the unknown. And that really drives all your decisions, whether they're good, whether they're bad. And the decisions that, you know, Andrea and I arrive at may not be the decisions that will actually happen. Um, you know, we were talking about this with some folks, but uh, a couple of weeks ago, you know, there was a, there was a shooting on a subway in Brooklyn mm. and, you know, thank God, oh, yeah. thank God, uh, New Yorkers did what they're supposed to do. They helped each other. They rushed and saved and did what they could to minimize, you know, what could have been a terrible tragedy. And that's scary as hell. Yeah, it's scary as hell. And so our story is the opposite of that. It is the cautionary tale of what happens when it doesn't go as smoothly as that. Mm. And that's really what this book is about. And look at these colors right there. Look at that art. Look at that train coming. That's exactly how it would look when I would look over the edge. Is it coming yet? Even though one day I was pulling into 34th Street Station, right, in the train, though. And when the doors open, there's some dude bloodied laying out. Oh, You oh. know that 34th Street has that sharp curve? Yeah. So apparently he went to check if the train is coming as it was coming. Oh, no. He didn't see it. Oh, yeah, shit. Yeah, bro. And then, wait, this is before 11 right? Yeah. So New Yorkers are like, yeah, I really stop on a train for this. And they were rushing to the other trains to try and get it moved. I was like, wow, does yeah, no one care? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny because the subway, there's such a, you take your heart in your hand when you when you ride the subway. I love What I love is sort of the shorthand that you hear about. First of all, the stories that people tell from the subway are great. 
but the shorthand of like sick passenger, right? See, you hear, oh, we're stopped because of a sick passenger. That means somebody jumped, right? That that so you know that as a New Yorker, oh yeah, somebody jumped on the tracks. So, <laughs> we just think so messed up in this immediately. <laughs> I dig that. And again, so are there you've been to New York? Yes, many times. All right, all right. So this is why you captured everything. The, I mean, and look at this. I mean, where was your head at when, when you do this? Because, again, you know, th- these are things that every New Yorker fears that takes a subway. Yeah. Well, you know, I try to be very realistic at the same time, not too much. Because I like to, to put the readers in the condition to recognize some places and to be able to empathy with something happens in that pages. So this is my point. I, I, I have a really realistic approach. I like to have a, no distances between the page and the reader. So I'd like to, to put each other as close as possible. So that's the point. Yeah. I like and, it. And, and I need to know, why is this issue one called Coffin? Oh, so amazing idea. Amazing idea. So Coffin was actually the name of the novel. Uh, oh, when yeah. I first wrote this book, Coffin was the name of the original novel. And it, I don't want to give anything away, like there's some dialogue that sort of ties it all back together later, but um, the idea was you started a really enclosed, cramped space, right? And then um, it's about getting out of that space, right? So uh, the next issue, I believe, is Tomb. I think that's the title. Yes. Uh, is Tomb, and then it kind of goes from there. Like tomb, Pyre, Graveyard. It, it kind of like pulls itself all the way out to get out into the open. And that was kind of the thinking. It was about escaping, right? This whole this whole comic is about escaping a very claustrophobic and closed situation. And so that's why Coffin is the first place we start where the subway car is kind of like, yeah, you know. <laughs> but it really We're way more than six feet down under there, that's for sure. Oof, right, but it also ties into an emotional state of mind. And, you know, not to give away the game, but, like, it's about the coffin that you – like, the casket of, of your own insecurities, the casket that you carry, of your grief, the casket of sorrow that you carry around. Yeah, like this poor character here, because things is going on here. And what a gorgeous page, too. And it, it has so much emotion in it. And like, it makes you curious. Like, okay, what's up? Why is she look so broken? What's going on here? So right. it's, I think it's the only one page in open air. So take a breath, because it was the last. <laughs> wow, what an analogy there. Love it. Yeah. Yeah, you, you definitely don't see a lot of white. Uh, space in this story and that page really kind of has that very like open snowy kind of uh page and it really does give you that like okay hold your breath here we go and then everything after that is dark and claustrophobic and yeah. we we kind of you know you can see the word after there so this is you know just to whatever it's the it's after everything that happens so Ooh, uh, all right. we're gonna oh see God. our we're gonna see our friend annie again i can't wait to circle back to, to that scene and, and what has transpired, not just with Annie, but the rest of the ensemble. I mean, because you are, you know, you do keep it modern too with, with the, you know, with the COVID and everything, right? There's people are feeling types of way. We, you know, we got homie with a red hat there, you know. <laughs> so, you know, I did say that this was inspired by 9-11, but I, you know, I first wrote this almost 20 years ago. And wow, the first time was 20 years ago? Yeah, and, and the story has, has, evolved and weathered so much since then uh like i said you know it's about you know divisiveness but we as especially in america have gotten so politically and culturally divided 
over everything, over masks, over race, religion, sex, you know, and, yeah, and so the story evolved with the 20 years. And so when, obviously, when I originally wrote it, COVID and masks weren't really a part of it. It's hard not to tell that story now without that having a footprint in it. Um, and then, obviously, there's some other, you know, political hotspots we discuss. And, and you know, look, I'm a, I'm a liberal. Um, I have friends who were conservatives. I wanted to make sure that this book really showed kind of an authentic sense of, of uh, a really small slice of New York. You know, you wouldn't just all be a certain political mindset, a certain sexual um, background. You would really have, as they say about New York, a melting pot. And that's Absolutely. really what you see in our ensemble. I, and I saw that immediately, the diversity. I said, okay, yeah, this is New York, for real. So, Andrea, talk about tackling, you know, these type of heavy themes through your art. Yeah. So, uh, you see on the pages, every single religious is a kind of a digit of the, on the, on the dark. So, in my, my side, the color, I told you before, it's kind of vibrant, feelings, colors. Even the, the, the black and white, it's going to be nervous and nervous and nervous. I, I try to, to put a real high vibe, try to put the, the readers and the characters, of course, inside this uh, incredible pitch black beneath the Hudson River in New York City. And uh, even the, the, the drawing has to be something different, not the same approach. So every single issue, step by step, we can, we can feel a different approach about the, the, the graphic style. With, for example, for the brush, very dry, very nervous and nervous. So I think it's, it's kind of experimentation, it's a process, like a, you know, a long and not super fast, no. Uh, well, he said it for 20 years. I mean, yeah. I hope you guys didn't connect 20 <laughs> years ago, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it, it's, it's, uh, it was really interesting to, it's a kind of, uh, you know, a process, experimentation. I, I like to, to try to do something different every single book. Not, okay, is this a classic book of Andrea? Or, oh, I know your style. So I try to do something different every time when I can. And this, this book is very easy for that. And if you can say, uh, we are going to touch many interesting topics, but with a, in the clever way, with no speculations, with no, this is really, really important to me because it's very important stuff, very important topics, but treating them with the respect and with the right way. I dig it. I, mean, I really like it. I really like it. That's, that's, that, you just saw the pre-official one, which is currently available right now on Comixology, came out May 3rd, right? Yeah. But then I happen to find this baby, right? Uh, a news page. I was like, oh my God, I really got to read issue two now. We got, I got yeah. to cover what is going on here. Oh <laughs> my God. Please don't tell me that's what I, I mean, think it is. I mean, shit gets, shit gets real. It, that's really kind of what it is. Um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, not called the panic because it's a nice, quiet story. Bro, I mean, is yep. there a McDonald's in, in that subway somewhere that they crack into? <laughs> <laughs> not, not, for, not for our friend Alice. That's our friend Alice. And uh, uh, she does not have access to a Starbucks or McDonald's. And, uh, yeah, it's, yeah. It's crazy. Uh, uh, are any of the people in, in the story inspired by anyone in, in your lives, you know, whether physically or, 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 or maybe just through observation, or, or, you know, yeah, being I on subway? Yeah, I think it's a pastiche of observation of people, of New Yorkers that I know, of, you know, it's a little bit of the archetypes, right? You have your conservative, you have your liberal, right? Um, there's, you know, an old Jewish guy who is really, you know, I'm, I'm a white Jewish guy, so I, 
you know, it's people that I know, right? But generally, they're all original characters. There's nobody in this book that I can say, oh, it's based on my buddy Frank or, you know, my, you know, my Aunt Ramona or something like that. I don't have an Aunt Ramona. <laughs> um, uh, these are original characters created for the book, awesome. created for the story, and they get, you know, they get their life's breath in the narrative. So, yeah. Oh, my God. If you guys had a dream and somebody says, oh, we would like to do something else with this property. Would you like to see this in something else? A cartoon, a series, a movie? So, I mean, look, there's a, this, this project goes beyond the five issues that we're doing over the next couple of months, oh, right? It, does. Oh. It, it, it There's at least, I would say, 30, 30 issues planned, if not more, if we can get to it. Um, it really kind of depends on you, on the readers, right? It, with any comic book, with any, book, movie, film, um, any property, it has to be supported for there to be more, right? True. If you pre-order, if you buy, if you support something you love, you will have more of that thing you love. So we hope that we get to do, you know, book two and book three, and I think there's a total of maybe four books that I have. It's already mm-hmm. outlined. Yeah. Um, so for me, I would love to see this as, you know, four seasons of television, right? I, I definitely Ooh. could see it. Um, maybe not, maybe three seasons. I'm not really sure because I think this first issue wouldn't cover a full season. But um, I mean, not first issue. This first, these first five Art. issues wouldn't. This first arc wouldn't cover a full season of television. But I think that's like, man, I'm I'm a TV addict, and Uh-oh. there's so many great streaming shows out there, and, and I totally could see this televised. Got to. Would you like? Would is that your vision too? Yeah, no, this story is plenty of uh, adventures to tell. It's really all the beginning. This is just the beginning. We have plenty of stories to tell about the cat, about what's happening before, later. It's really full of stuff. Full, 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 full. Even it's not super power or super something. It's normal people, normal normal life. So Some, sometimes those are the best stories too, because as much as I love my superheroes and my sci-fi, sometimes when you go that slice of life, but that turns dark type of story, is is, is fantastic because things that you can relate to. I mean, just in the first show alone, again, I, I I felt like I was home for a little bit. <laughs> like, yeah. okay. And what's great is also if you look at it as like a hero's journey, right? Like a typical Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, what have you. Yeah, is right. This is literally the first. 30 minutes, right? This, these five issues, if this was Star Wars, these five issues would be like up to Luke getting off Mos Eisley in the Millennium Falcon. Oh. Right? <laughs> and if this, had, if, this was Lord, if this was The Hobbit, these five issues would be Bilbo just getting out of the Shire. That's basically <laughs> what this is. There is so much more to this story that we would love to tell. Um, and we hope that we get to tell it. Well, I hope so too, folks. Please, please put the support behind it. You can get a comic allergy now and, and start getting ready to get the trade paperback dropping from Dark Horse. Please, yo, support it. So we got to support these amazing creators, yo. I mean, if, if we don't, we're going to lose the things we love, and then you guys are going to be complaining about other crap. Don't. So, you know, support the stuff you love. That's it. That's all you should do. Stop crapping on other stuff. Support things you like. Because again, you know, Neil and Andrea are putting their heart into this. Very obvious, yo. Because I, I think, you. I mean, 20 years story, I mean, and then you just jumped on it, Andrea. Like, that's it, bro. Bromance begins. Here it goes. Page by page, knocking it down. So, is, is the art done now? The full story? Is it drawn out and just, you know, just waiting to get it printed? 
Yeah, yeah, I mean it's it's actually a dark dark horse is put is getting ready to print the the full collection. Woo! I mean, we're, we're ready to go. Um, I will say that while everything is outlined, the second arc is not scripted yet, and okay. so we hope that we'll this will do well enough for Comicsology and to say go for it, do let's do more, and then Andre and I will just back in the saddle. Do more Comicsology, you know you want this. Yeah, yeah, for real, man. Because this is again, uh, I love creators like you. Uh, I like hearing stories like this. You know, you guys basically got together, got connected, and then romance began to create such a beautiful book. You created an amazing team. You know, again, salute to Pamela for connecting us. For you know, flower time, guys like Neil, Andrea. You know, from a fan to to creators like yourselves thank you thank you so much for thank putting you so much, buddy. out there thank you i thank you so much out there man nah but that ain't me it's you because you guys entertain us you guys keep us out of the world sometimes or you give us a different view of the world but you give us something that'll keep us entertained put either a smile on my face make you just itch for the next one like oh my god eat the next one now where is it <sighs> comic shop let me go through your backstory i know you guys should too um for real, you keep doing what you guys are doing because I, I see nothing but greatness for you. And I see greatness in this particular title. So my people, here, yo, yo, follow them. So you're going to get teases about the panic, all right? And you better, you know, run to your shop in a panic, you know, when this is out on trade paperback. But right now, run like you're panicking to Comixology, type it in, pull out that credit card, get this digital book right and now. The, and the second issue is actually available for pre-order now. So you can Ooh. get that. It comes yep. out yep. early June. In June mm. 7th, maybe. I don't, I don't have the exact date here, but it comes out in June, so you can get read number one and get yourself ready for number two, which comes out in a couple weeks. Let me see. If it was May 3rd that that one dropped, I would say maybe June 1st or June 8th, I feel that the other one will drop. So this is a, they're spaced out by a month, right? Uh, yeah, but I think it's actually June 7th. And I can oh, yeah, that's right. I forget. I, I'm still stuck. I'm an old school man. I'm, I'm stuck a new comic book Wednesdays, not Tuesdays. <laughs> I forget digital Tuesdays. <laughs> it is June seventh is the day that it. That hey, it. there you go. You see, excellent, folks. You better pre-order now. Again, let me tease you. Just with that cover number two, I mean, if this can't convince you, then you guys are nuts. I mean, that that is questions, questions, questions. What is going on? No matter how hungry I am, I ain't stooping that low. <laughs> Maybe a rat salad, because who knows? You probably had that in New York. I'm just saying. Pizza rats, right? And, and, yeah, and, and I, I got to ask you, because I know since you're from Detroit, and I, 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 got, I have to ask this question. What? Who makes better pizza, Detroit or New York? <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, I'll be honest. I, I keep kosher. So um, I have very specific kosher tastes. Um, I love New York pizza. I like the big giant slice. Um, but there is a kosher place in Detroit that is my favorite pizza <laughs> ever. Uh it's called Jerusalem Pizza and, and oh, where? Uh, Oak Park, mm. Michigan. And shout out to them. Um, they make my favorite pizza. So really, I'll go there yeah. every time. But it's not Detroit style pizza. It's like it's like Little Caesar style pizza, probably. But oh, okay, I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, I, I like it. I like it a lot. But yeah, I'm I'm a New York pizza guy. Period. I, 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 Andrea, I mean, he's he he's the professional here. You know, coming from where he come from. <laughs> I mean, what's the where, where's the best pizza you had besides home? Besides Italy, yeah. because I'm sure they make the best. Here right? uh, in New York, uh, you know, I like uh, very much so in Chicago. There, you know, really? the Luma 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 Pizza is very very particular, so so different than from Italy. Yeah. 
And in uh, in New York, I love uh, so much the pizza pie. Uh, pizza pie is a is a, a Roman pizzeria. Uh, it's through Lexington and and uh, the 42 Street, wow. I guess. Okay. And it's a really nice place, really cool place, really 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 Italian taste. Uh-oh. Yeah. And oh. another, and there's another very good pizzeria, just over the Brooklyn Bridge, turning on the right, beneath the bridge, there's a pizzeria over here. Remember, you know that place? Do you remember the name? Um, nah, you're killing me. You're killing Hello, me. Right Wait, Brooklyn side or Manhattan yeah. side? Brooklyn side. Oh, nah, I don't know. Oh, close to the to the, the ferry, the ferry. Okay. Really? I love it. Oh man, see, I, I can't wait to go home because the first thing, <laughs> even before I visit Mama, I'm gonna, I need a pie to myself. I'm gonna just take the whole pie and fold it into four pieces and just. And just <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's do that. But guys, you've been great. I, I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank for, you, you know, Thank you so much, man. Out. Check it out, folks. The Panic Number One is out now. Number Two is available for pre-order. Comicsology.com. The Panic by Neil Klein and Andrea Muti. All right, Soto Love. You know what to do. Soto Love to Comic Crusaders and Undercover Capes. We got shows keeping dropping all week. We got another episode dropping next. We got another outside the panel tomorrow. We got some Think Indie. We got Thundercats. We got it all, folks. Man, I right? we don't stop. Comic Crusaders is unstoppable, baby. Thank you. Hasta la próxima. Bye, man. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Comic Crusaders podcast. If you like the content, please subscribe and turn on notifications. Also, please visit ComicCrusaders.com and our extended podcast family over at UndercoverCaves.com. And also, make sure to download the Comic Crusaders app on the Google Play Store today.